Psalm 85, verse number 1. And let's look at it together very briefly. Psalm 85, verse number 1. Lord, you have been favorable to your land. You have brought back the captivity of Jacob. You have forgiven the iniquity of your people. You have covered all of their sin, Selah. You have taken away all of their wrath. You have turned from the fierceness of your anger. Restore to us, O God, salvation. And cause your anger towards us to cease. Will, your anger, will you be angry with us forever? And will you prolong your anger to all generations? Will thou not revive us again, that your people may rejoice in you? Somebody say, will you not revive us again? Somebody say, amen. Will thou not revive us again? Lord, open our eyes and hearts to receive your word today. We thank you, God, your hand is still upon America. And we pray your hand would never cease to be. Thank you that there's a remnant of people across this great country that still believes in the precepts and principles of your word. Bless us today, God. Open our hearts and ears that we would hear from you. And everyone said amen. Look at verse number one. Psalm 85, verse number one. Lord, you have been favorable to your land. God has been favorable to the United States of America. He has given us great liberty. He has given us great amount of natural resources. God has blessed America with great wealth. God has blessed America with great military victories. He has blessed America with favor throughout the known entire world. America is a country that has inscribed on its currency, in God we trust. It is a country that sings, America, America, God shed his grace on thee. It is a country that recites the words, God bless America, the land that I love. Stand beside her and guide her through the night with the light from above. But ladies and gentlemen, we are at a crossroads in this great country. This great country is perplexed. We are like a ship tossed upon the great sea. We are troubled with our values. There's a great war, a war within the soul of mankind. And yet, we are left wondering what to do. In this great country, we now have legalized abortion. We have now legalized homosexuality. We have almost legalized pornography. We have, in somewhat, acquired, if it feels good, then do it. This tolerance thing has been pushed to the extreme. Everyone has rights. Nobody wants to be offended. You almost want to get up in the morning and say to America, 
what offends you today, America? Because every day somebody is offended over something. But I've learned in my short years of ministry that just because you're offended, it doesn't make, your, make you right. Can I hear an amen? Just because you're offended doesn't make it right. We have become number one in the world for violent crimes. We have become number one in the world for divorce. We have become number one in the world for teenage pregnancy. Number one in the world for voluntary abortion. And number one in the world for illegal drug use. And although this seems very bleak to us, it seems as though the tares are outgrowing the wheat. And it seems as though Christians are becoming very battled, scarred, very weak and sickly, as if we don't know what shall happen in the future. But I'm a gospel preacher. And I've read the end of the book. I said I'm a gospel preacher. I've read the end of the book. And I know that whatever is in front of us is not the story. It is not the end of the story. There is still a great army in the land. There is still believers in the land. There is still tongue-talking, Holy Ghost-filled, fire-baptized believers in America that still believes in the undulterated Word of the living God. Is there anybody this morning that still believes in the Bible? No matter how bleak it may be, no matter what the news reporters may be reporting, I'm still encouraged. I still believe in the red, white, and blue. I still believe that God has a plan and purpose for this great country. This is the greatest country on earth, and we send more missionaries than any other country in the world. We have more churches in this country than the world. We have more gospel preachers in this country than the world. We send out missionaries to every continent of the world. No matter what you think of this country, I still believe that there is a great remnant of people called the church of Jesus Christ. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. They're found in every part of this country. They found, they're found in buildings like this. They're found in basements. They're found in cathedrals. Oh, some sing out of hymnals. Some do this. Whatever they may do, if they name the name of Jesus, they are part of the greatest army known to man, and it is called the Church of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Is there anybody in the building that you're a part of the church? Is there anybody in the building that you're part of the remnant that God is raising up in this last day? Hallelujah. I am telling you, 
It is time for a spiritual awakening in our country. It's time that we start holding up the banner of Christianity once again. It's time that we take back our cities for God. It's time that we stand up for what's right and stand against what's wrong. It's a time where we should stand and sing, Land where our fathers died. Land where the pilgrims pride. From every mountainside, let freedom ring. Hallelujah. Before freedom can ring from violent crimes in America, before freedom can ring from divorce, before freedom can ring from abortion and illegal drug use, I am convinced, I am absolutely convinced, the more that I get older and the more I pastor people, I am absolutely convinced that there is only one cure for the problem of the human heart, and that is Calvary. We must return to Calvary, church. Come on, somebody. We can have the lights and the big buildings and the preachers, but we must have the message of the cross. We must return to Calvary. We must return to the Word of God. We must return to the old paths where it is the good way. We must return to our knees in prayer. What we need today, what America needs, what the White House needs, what the courthouse needs, what the whorehouse needs is a prayer that will say will thou not revive us again Woo! somebody wave your hand and say revive us again we need another earth shaking holy ghost filled revival we need another revival to hit this land again I grew up in the fire and I cannot live in the smoke I'm going to say that again I said I grew up in the fire and I cannot live in the smoke. I grew up in tongue-talking, Holy Ghost-filled church. I grew up where they shouted all night. I grew up that they didn't take you to a back room and counsel the devil out of you. They cast the devil out of you. I grew up in church where we wasn't afraid to lift our hands once in a while and say hallelujah. I grew up where the Holy Ghost transformed people from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I'm hungry for those days once again. And I am convinced that God is eager to pour out His Spirit upon us again. And I am convinced that this church, at this time, in this dispensation, has been put here in Galena because God is going to use us in the end time revival and souls will be saved and converted for the gospel. Woo! Somebody give God glory and praise today. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. They told me in Bible college never to speak in tongues when you preach. But today I got to throw the hermeneutics out and I got to lift my hands and speak in that tongue. Woo! Somebody give him glory. Hallelujah. We need another shaking Holy Ghost filled revival. Hallelujah. Need another revival, church? 
We can't afford to let this Pentecostal experience become extinct. We need to let our children know what it means to receive a word from God. My God, some of you parents, you run here and there taking your baby to soccer games, taking your baby to this game, and taking your baby. And I'm not against games. And if you do that, that's good and fine. You're the parent. But where in the world is our biblical principles anymore that we're more concerned about my child getting the word of God into them than I am them kicking a ball across the field? Ain't nothing wrong with sports. Play them. But on Sunday morning, they should be in the house of God. Can I just say that one more time? On Sunday morning, they should be in the house of God. If you can't play ball on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, then baby, you ain't playing ball. For as me and my house, we're going to get up and go to the house of God on Sunday morning. Am I preaching too hard for you? Is there anybody in the building that can stand to your feet and say, that's right, preacher. We need some more parents full of the Holy Ghost. It ain't going to hurt you to bring your kids to church for two hours on Sunday. They get on their YouTube and watch YouTube videos about six hours a day. Ain't going to hurt them to bring them to church on Sunday morning. Now, I know Sunday night's not popular, but if you get the strength in your body, maybe you can bring them back on Sunday night. Can I hear an amen? And, and maybe if you're really Holy Ghost filled, you'd bring them on Wednesday so they can be taught the basics of the Bible. Well, I, I know maybe you're going to vote me out after this sermon, but I tell you, I feel the Holy Ghost today. I said, I feel the Holy Ghost today. I said, I still believe in the Bible. I still believe in tongue-talking, Holy Ghost-filled, fire-baptized, devil-stumping people filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm tired. I'm tired of six-foot icicles moaning and groaning in the pulpit, preaching a dead sermon to dead people, preaching sermonettes. I want Holy Ghost-filled preachers get up in front of the pulpit and declares, thus saith God, and cares whether you like it or not, because it is God who we shall give an account for our soul. We need another Pentecost in this country. We need, thank God for grandmothers, because there was a grandma who took me to church. Thank God for grandparents. Thank God. I'm going, I'm just going to brag on grandparents. Woo! I said, can I just brag on grandparents? Thank God for grandparents. We got a few grandparents. Is there anybody else that can think? Yeah. Thank God for grandparents. You can take the, because I am an example. I'm an example of somebody grabbing my hand and pulling me out of a house of sin. Say, I'm going to take you to church. They picked me up on Sunday night and I sit on that pew and I would shake and cry. I didn't know what they were saying, you know. I mean, they were just jabbering on, you know. And they, 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 but, you know, I could feel it, you know. I could feel, you know, those goosebumps that would run down on you. 
And, you know, they didn't have good music back then. They just had one chord. But you know when they started singing, you could feel something hit the atmosphere. And you know what we need nowadays? We need another experience where our boys and our girls are baptized in the Holy Ghost and it changes their life forever. We can't afford to let Pentecost become extinct. I ain't talking about crazy Pentecost. I'm talking about genuine Pentecost. Because y'all know we've been part of, we've all seen crazy Pentecost before, haven't we not? I mean, have we not? I mean, we've all seen crazy stuff in church. We've seen fruits and nuts. Come on, somebody. We've seen, you know, Sister Broadbottom and Brother Loudmouth. You know, we, we, we've seen them all. I ain't talking about all that. I'm talking about a genuine move of the whole. And what is a revival? When people are transformed and converted and their desire is to be like Jesus. It's a revival of obedience where, you know, I don't agree with you, preacher, but, you know, I've been converted and so I've got to submit to the Word of God. You know, obedience, it's a desire to look like Jesus. It's, it's that living power living on the inside of you. It's a revival. It's a quickening. It's a strengthening. It's elevating to a new life. Nowadays we have recycling of dead flesh. Let's have revival for three days. That's all good. That's all fine. I'm not against that, but what happens after the revival? You see, there, there was a cult that flourished in the 19th century. It was called the Shaker Movement. That movement displayed very fervent and zealous commitment. They were very fervent in their worship, and they had a significant impact in their day. But today, that religious cult, that religious movement is extinct today because they believed in a doctrine known as celibacy. So therefore, there are no second generation of shakers anymore. They're extinct. Now, they're just a historical curiosity more than they are a spiritual force. Could it be, if we don't pass this message to the next generation, that our Pentecostal experience will be just read in textbooks and it will be more of a historical curiosity than a spiritual force. Ladies and gentlemen, we cannot afford for Pentecost to be recorded in history books as if it's over. I do believe they need to write about us in future generations that this movement is unstoppable that this movement is touching every heart of man on every continent on the face of the earth. Ladies and gentlemen, you are a part of that movement. We must preach the Pentecostal message that Christ is the Savior and there is only one way to God, that Christ is the baptizer, that Christ is the healer,
that Christ is the soon coming king. That is the foundational doctrine of the Pentecostal movement. That he is the savior. That he is the baptizer. He is the healer. And he is the soon coming king. So, well, pastor, how am I going to make a difference? I'm convinced that God doesn't, when he does something usually in the scriptures, usually, there's exceptions. You see that God raises up one person out of the crowd. He anoints them. He puts a vision in their heart. Sometimes God is not looking for your ability. God is looking for your availability. Are you available? Sometimes it's not our ability that he's asking you, are you available? You see, David was one of those people in Scripture that was used mightily of God. The Bible says that David slew that giant called Goliath by a slingshot and a stone. That giant fell. I can just imagine David going down the brook kneels down and picks up the stone. Yet, he picks up five stones. Takes his little bag and put those stones in the bag. And off he goes, giant. And I can just imagine, just imagine with me. David puts his hand in the bag and he's standing before the giant. He's just a little shepherd boy. But he was commissioned by the God of Israel. He stands before that giant and he uses what God has given him. And that's the stone. He sticks his hand into the bag. And I want you to imagine those stones had a voice. Puts his hand in that bag and that first stone grabs shuffles those stones and that first stone says, surely David will use me. I got a PhD in theology. Because you know all my theology can bring down that giant. Oh, I could hear another stone in the bag say, surely David will use me. They killed Goliath. I'm the most good-looking one in the bunch. You know, you've got to have good looks for the camera because nobody wants to look ugly. Surely God will use me to slay the giant. Hear another stone say, oh, surely God will use me I'm a prophet. You know, prophets always got a word to take down the giant. Surely, God will use the prophet. David rolled his hand in the bag. He didn't pick the prophet. He didn't pick the most beautiful one. He didn't pick the one with the Ph.D. He picked the one 
that was closest to his hand. If you want God to use you, God can use you in these last days if you're the one that's closest to his hand. Hallelujah! I don't know about you, but I want to be the one that's closest to his hand. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but when we come back with him, with the, when we come back with Jesus Christ on those horses, I might have to say to Jesus, Jesus, you might have to scoot over because I want to ride with you on the horse. Is there anybody with me? Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. Amen. You can make a difference. Do you realize do you realize, I'm not saying that because I'm standing here. I'm convinced that God wants to use this church in a magnificent way. You see, I'm so imperfect. If you look closely, you'll find something you don't like. We don't have the best of the best. We don't have the best programs. But I'm convinced that if we keep running towards His hand, if we seek ye first the kingdom, God will infiltrate us with wisdom to make the right decisions so that we can have a healthy church that glorifies the name of Jesus Christ. Can I hear an amen? <laughs> can I hear an amen? You know, I feel so good. Can I just do a praise break right here? Woo! Is there anybody in here say, Pastor, I just want to stand and give a praise break to the Lord because I know God is getting ready to do something that's exceedingly abundantly above all that I can ask or think. Hallelujah. Somebody say hallelujah. Remain standing. We need a revival once again, don't we? We need a revival. Esther was one person that she made a difference. Under the time of repentance, rejoicing followed the salvation of the Jews in the plot of wicked Haman. Philip made a difference. It was a strong preaching of the kingdom of God that produced a great revival in the city of Samaria. Peter made a difference. It was his message on the day of Pentecost that converted 3,000 souls, one person. Jonah made a difference. The Ninevites, through his preaching, repented. God's destructive hands stayed away from the city. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying let us long for the presence of God. Let us seek after the presence of God. Let's hold up the banner of Christianity once again. You say, well, preacher, it's getting bad in America. No, 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 no. The hot's getting hotter and the cold's getting colder. <laughs> Woo! I said the hot's getting hotter 
and the cold is getting colder. Those on the sideline, you're going to be left. But those who are on fire for God, I believe the heat's going to be starting to be turned up. Hallelujah. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and heal their land. He wasn't talking to sinners. He was talking to Israel. Return to me, he said, and I will heal your land. America, return to Calvary, and he will heal our land. Christ point. Christ point. Return to Calvary, and he will heal your land. Parents, return to Calvary, and he will heal your house. God's clock is ticking. He's getting ready to come back. The remnant is waiting for his blessed return. We need revival, but before he comes, let us preach another sermon. Let's evangelize. Let's build a church that gives God the glory. Let's be salt and light to the world.